up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes magnificently on the outside. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug. The rugby podcast by the fans for the fans. Plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, feels back to the old ways, doesn't it? Another another Monday rolls around, um, another disappointing weekend and another loss with Charlie on the podcast this season. So um, <laughs> this is now becoming a real theme, Charlie. When's, when's it going to When's it going to change, mate? Stop inviting me. Stop inviting <laughs> me. It'll, it'll all be over. Oh, yeah. It's probably, yeah, throwing the towel at this point and uh, for the greater good of uh, all Bath fans. Yeah, I mean, another defeat. Um, a wild game of rugby on Friday night with 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 um, Bath coming short in a shootout against Wasps, um, which we're going to de- delve into uh, on this podcast. Um, thanks for listening. I'm going to get out of the way first. Please do subscribe if you are a new listener and follow us across socials at Bath Rugby Plug as well on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Um, we're also on this podcast going to talk about some... Uh, speculation in the media, the widely rumoured report that Zach Mercer will be leaving the club. And just about half an hour before we hit record, um, the EPCR uh, announced that uh, the next two rounds of European rugby were going to be postponed. Uh, So no preview of the rugby, but we're going to talk about what that means for Bath and what Premiership rugby can do to kind of um, mitigate against the, the fixture congestion that will inevitably come at the end of the season. So all that to come, boys. Um, but first, Tom, let's get stuck into the game on Friday night. Feels like a long time ago. I don't know about about you. Uh, obviously, recording on Monday night, but uh, ninety six points, eleven tries, but ultimately more disappointment, I guess. Yeah, the, it, 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 it was certainly an emotional roller coaster on on Friday night. Um, you know, I think most neutrals kind of saying. Um, what an entertaining, thrilling game it was. Um, I don't know about you boys, but I kind of struggled to to to, to enjoy it in the same way, um, you know, that, that I did the game on Sunday, for example, which was which was kind of mad between London Irish and Quinns, um, because I just felt there was a an air of inevitability inevitability about it, um, and also, you know, when you, as, as Stuart Hooper said after the game, when you concede fifty points at home no matter how kind of fun the game is and no matter how, you know, 11 tries, I think it was, um, the only three games in Premiership history with more than 96 points. Um, so it really was one to break some of the record books. Um, but um, I left the game uh, feeling more deflated, I think, than, than sort of exhilarated by the, by the rugby we've, we've seen. But I guess that's, being a, um, guess that's that's part of being a fan in some ways. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Obviously, coming out on the wrong side, it was it, it was quite a thrilling game. I I, I did enjoy it um, mm. to an extent. I mean, but it did feel like you're right, Tom. It, it it did feel that as soon as the game properly opened up like that, there was probably only going to be one winner. Um, uh, and we, it almost felt like we did quite well to to hang with them for for, for most of the game because once that wasp team can can open up, it, it just seems like they can run and try us from anywhere. Yeah. Um, and did on quite a few occasions whereas Bath I mean over recent seasons we've been more of the, the kind of bruising stick it up the jumper sort of team um, but uh, we kind of had to 
play a slightly different style, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think going into the game, there was a, quite a lot of pessimism, wasn't there, from from us guys and, and from a lot of Bath fans on Twitter, kind of especially given the, the start to the season we've had and the, the results at Welford Road the previous week. And if you'd said there's going to be 96 points, I probably would have thought Wasp would have got about 70 of them because I think you're absolutely right, Charlie. That's what the game completely suits their players down to the ground and it, and it really doesn't suit our players down to the ground, which is kind of weird to say when you look at the back line we pick, but you're absolutely right, Charlie. We want it to be a, a kind of much more close, uh, set-piece dominated game and, and, it, and it really wasn't. And I think I did enjoy it, actually. It, it was really entertaining. Like It was obviously really disappointing that second half in particular when, when the game was just slipping away and, as you say, so inevitably, Tom. But it was entertaining. And I think going into the game with not much optimism about the final result. I think I was just kind of grateful to, to have the boys in action on a Friday night. You know, we, I could put my shirt on, I could have a cider and I could watch the guys play because it's probably not going to happen for the next two weeks. And I remember how bleak lockdown was the first lockdown with no rugby. I do think it's got to a point in the season where there's so many cancellations and there's so, there's so much kind of doubt about the future of the league that I'm just going to try and enjoy the guys um, the, the guys whenever they are in action Tom I, I don't know if that's me kind of almost throwing in the towel and not expecting much from the season kind of results wise on the pitch Yeah you're right I mean we you know like you say we shouldn't moan too much you know rugby is um, it, it's kind of in a, a, a you know a slightly diluted form at the moment obviously no crowds which is such a big part of of the game some slightly strange um covid related rules like air high fives and 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 uh, and not celebrating that we saw over the weekend but you're absolutely right the overriding feeling should be that um you know should be one of um you know i, I guess gratitude that we've got rugby in that first lockdown period um it got it got it got kind of tiring watching back old games from whatever well generally 1998 in my case um and you get you get tired of that quite quickly so um, you're absolutely right. I think, you know, turning to the game, I, I, I well, Berlin doesn't think I'm absolutely. I, know, right. no, I just, I, I want, I want to butt in here. I just feel like, okay, yeah, it's fantastic. The rugby's still going. Like that's great. I know we're in a proper lockdown this time. Not like we were in November, where everyone seemed to go about their own business. But we're in proper lockdown, like we were uh, kind of March last year. It's great that we actually have rugby this time. But come on, like the overall feeling coming out of that game should be just pure frustration again. Oh. It's a like, come on, we 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 we. But it's, we, better, it's better than not having rugby at all, is what we're saying. Is <laughs> it? <laughs> is, is it having fifty points put on us at home? Like, I like compared to the previous weekend. Like, I didn't really know how to feel coming out of that game because it was it was kind of another situation of like we came so close, but uh, ultimately. We ended up losing and we had to we, we we scrapped one losing bonus point at the end of the game in the 85th minute. And like that 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 shouldn't be happening like with that team that we've got. And there's still there's still just so many question marks that haven't been answered from the previous weekends and fr- from the kind of all these previous weekends this season, like since this uh since this 2020-21 season has started again. And I I I just I just still think there's there's a lot of questions to be asked and it's extremely frustrating. Like I think all bar fans are feeling frustrated. It's not easy to like put your finger on what the problem is. I mean, I was I was sat here last week saying, oh, it's the attack. The attack is is a massive problem. But we ended up scoring 44 points. It, it, it was the second highest total anyone has ever scored and lost in the Premiership since like 2001. They put the stats up. Was was the last time someone scored that many points and lost but 
So now I'm yeah, thinking I think the performance on the pitch is undoubtedly disappointing, Charlie. But I think kind of the point that we're, that we're making is that I do think I would rather have that than, than no rugby at all. And, and I think it almost feels inevitable that this season is a going to be ring fenced in some in some fashion, and b it's going to have a, a an asterisk. Or I was getting some grief on Twitter. I, apparently, I can't say that word, but it's going to have the little star in the. In the Asterix or whatever. So um, it's going to have that. Asterix. Apparently I was saying a French um, comic book or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's going to have that on the table anyway. So I, I guess I'm just kind of grateful. And especially with the news that the next two weekends are going to be postponed. I'm grateful to, to have the rugby on, on, on BT Sport at the weekend. So guys, let's get into the game um, in a bit more detail, Tom. And just like the, the game at Welford Road, it was a fantastic start from Bath. Uh, and a guy that didn't play at Welford Road and Tom de Glanville at the centre of that fantastic start. Yeah, he was. I mean, I think the, you know, that that first try kind of set the tone for what was quite a, um, well, what was a particularly kind of loose game and high-scoring game, as we said. Um, kind of really, really strange try that from, I think it was a Wasps clearance or a Wasps box kick, um, that de Glanville was able to kind of find an outside shoulder and then for some reason, there was no kind of defence um, in the backfield for Wasps. The only guy out wide um, trying to cover uh, the Bath runners was the, the loose head prop, Tom West, um, who did his best, but wasn't ever going to be able to, you know, um, uh, uh, corner flag and get to get to Reese Priestland. So um, it was a good start and, um, you know, followed it up um, with, a, with another try shortly afterwards. Um, uh, I think it was, was it Sam Underhill um, with... Um, with the, with the, with the second was it Sam Under with the second try? Yeah, so no, we 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 scored that first Breesland try. Uh, part of, part of the reason that I thought that what was um, who scored that second try? Was it? It was. Well, no, it was then. It was then Wasps. We got two penalties after that, and we went thirteen nil up. Oh, sorry. Um, th- yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. Thirteen nil up, and then they scored uh, the they try. Scored the, 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 the penalty. Well, they got the penalty try when yours got sent off. But um, uh, I was just going to make the point. I was just going to make the point before you come in that. I like again fourteen nil up against Leicester, uh, Leicester last week. Um, uh, you know thirteen nil up twice in this game, so thirteen nil, and then went to twenty points to seven as well. Um, and we've spoken about it. Need you know this Bath side needing to click and needing to find some find some confidence. Um, and it's strange because it, it it feels like we always come out the blocks quite quickly, um, and then we're just not able to to maintain it. And I. It's so difficult, like you said, Charlie, to, to put our fingers on, on what it is. You know, is it just a confidence issue down the stretch? Is it a trust between, you know, trust between forwards and backs? Like, like you know, Cam Redpath touched on that. Um, is it just bottle that we, you know, we can't close out those games as we've seen in seasons gone by? Or is it something as simple as just not being fit enough to, to, to go down the stretch? But yet again, we, we go ahead um, and we stay ahead for, you know, the, you know the whole of the first half and going into the second half um, and then we let the opposition just claw back uh, claw back that deficit and, and ultimately get ahead um, uh, at, at the 80 minutes yeah I mean you're right it, it, there's, it, it's, it's impossible to put put your finger on it and it, that, that's what was so frustrating after after uh, <clears throat> after whatever it was 10 minutes being 30 nil up and then yeah 20 minutes we were again 30 nil up again uh, well had a 13 point lead and you think 
most teams, especially the side that we got out, should be, should be closing that out. And I, I yeah, there, there, there's so many questions to ask. Fitness, I don't really know if, if, if it can be fitness because these boys have been playing for almost solidly for what, like 18 months. It's not like they've just come back from a from a long off season where they've been sinking all the beers and eating all the pies. Like they these these guys are uh, should be like in kind of peak fitness. It, but, Unless it's a tiredness sort of thing, but uh, I, I can't really figure out what it is. I think a big problem as well is the fact that we've been conceding points like just before half time at such a crucial uh, stage of the game. Like we we let in uh, we let in the try on the 39th, uh, well, it was 39th, uh, 39 minutes on the clock, 40th minute. Um, and we, we had a 29 to 17 points lead. We hold out then, we go into half-time with, 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 with another cushy 12-point lead. We should be closing out that game and winning. But we concede just before half-time and then again just after half-time. And it's, 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 it's making the boys' heads drop and like they're, 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 they're capitulating. It was the same against Leicester. We, we conceded a three-point penalty just before half-time. It's the same against Newcastle. Like Two minutes before half-time, we, we conceded a try. At the start of the season, like it's, 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 I, I kind of identify that as a potential area where we, we kind of, we, we, we've, we've headed into the change rooms before we even there. And it's, it, you, can't, you can't build on these leads. I, I, it's a kind of a recurring feeling that we've been we've we've kind of been the better team in the first half we've not gone in with the lead that we deserve and the, the lead that we need in order to win these games yeah that period around half time charlie you're absolutely right it was was such a big period in the game <clears throat> to go from as you say i think it was 29 29-17 up until and then we were 29-31 down on like in the space of sort of a five minute period on either side of half time it was yeah it, it was a hugely hugely disappointing period in the game and ultimately kind of a key period in the game I do think there's a, a difference between us like fading in the second half which has definitely been a, a a factor and a real issue this season and all and, and us giving away these leads in the first half I think just the nature of the game meant that there was that there was loads of points and so we were um in that first half it was kind of back and forth back and forth but I think it, the the reason a big part of the reason why we're fading in the in the second half is we're, we're just not getting enough from the bench like we're really not uh, if you just look at the impact of the guys that came onto the pitch none of the front row guys are having any impact when they come on Stuke okay fine Bayless I think is actually doing okay and then Chudley Matavesi and Gabe Hamer-Webb I'm not even sure Gabe Hamer-Webb got on in the end like we're just not getting an impact from that bench and, and I think that was a huge part as to, to why we we let that that um, that second half lead slip, but but I think that's slightly different to the the the, the losing of the the thirteen point lead that we had in the first half. Well, I think the I think the numbers bear that out as well. BT Sport, um, you know, put out some really interesting statistics before the game. Um, one of which was about this, you know, this defense dropping off into the into the second half. Whether it's you know the guys on the you know the, the starting fifteen getting tired or the bench not having the impact, G. Um, obviously, it doesn't distinguish. But if you just look at some of the numbers, so this is um, opposition collision success: twenty three percent in the first half and thirty three percent in the second half. Um, opposition meters made: one hundred and seventy two in the first half and then two hundred and fifty seven in the second half. And obviously, you know, there is still a relatively small sample size for this season. Um, and, you know, correlation is not causation. But I think I think visually, 
you can you can see that as the game goes on, we lose um, what is so crucial to our game, and we lose that little extra bit of bite, um, you know, in the collision on the game line. Um, and I think in you know to to speak to this game specifically, I think that is as ba- about as bad a defence that I've seen from Bath in in a long, long time against opposition that are, you know, confident and in form, but they're not world beaters. And, you know, you've got guys like Sam Underhill, who's one of the best defenders in the world, getting shrugged off by um, Paolo Adogu. Again, a good, in-form premiership winger, but nothing more than that at this this point in his career. And Sam Underhill is is just getting, you know, get, getting shrugged off. We get, you know, they had, I think, four phases in a pick and go to get over the line for the for the try. And that that's just... That's just not good enough, um, and I, I think I think that 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 was a feature of of the game. Just our defence being too passive, we're too easy to get around the outside, and we're too easy to get through as well at times. Yeah, just to finish off on the point about about the substitutes, Tom, I, I think it's a combination of the fact that our guys are getting tired, and also it doesn't appear that Stuart Hooper trusts some of the guys that are on the bench. I think Ben Obana played eighty six minutes. You lose their props and not be playing 86 minutes. I, I, I don't think, as I say, Hamer Webber, I don't think, got on. Chudley didn't get on. Now, I, I'm not sure he really trusts those guys. And that means that we're kind of getting more tired um, as the game progresses. And we don't have the, the impact of the guys coming off the bench, either because when they do come on there, they're not playing well enough or they're just not coming on because Hooper doesn't trust them. But yeah, undoubtedly, Charlie, the defence was, was so porous. I think Wasps at one point had seven visits to the 22 and 45 points. And, and I must admit my maths isn't great. So I had to get my calculator out to see that that was actually possible because it seemed like you couldn't get 45 points in seven visits. That's just mad. Well, yeah. And they, they, they ended the game, Gabriel, with 52 points and eight visits. So wow. plus seven to that, there you go. Yeah, uh, it, that, that every time they visited the 22, they came away with points. And the, the clinicality of it is like, it's, it's, it's excellent from, from a Wasp point of view, but from a Bath point of view, that's just not good enough in defence, is it? It's, we, we seem to put up a good fight in the kind of, in the middle 50 of the pitch. That kind of, and then uh, when it enters our 22, it seems like we just roll over uh, with our bellies in the air like a kind of like, also, like, like also, a puppy dog or something like it's it, it just seems like we just we just allow them to cross the line without much real effort and I know there there was some kind of there were a few points that I thought you know that's that's kind of bounce to the ball well, just on just on that point that you're making just on that point that you're making I think it's a really good one but because like wasps were really clinical and like they had some really, they had some really nicely worked tries. To be fair, I don't think our defence was was up to it, but wasps, wasps, you know, took their try as well. But when you've got a, when you're playing a side that is really clinical and that whose red they call red zone efficiency is is really high, don't just give them free opportunities to play ball in your own your own twenty two. And you know yeah, that's I think that's one of the things that we've we've identified before. We're not exiting our our twenty two at all or, or at, like, at all well. Um, those restarts, Gene, I know you've got some stuff to say about the restarts. Those restarts were absolutely appalling. Yeah. Just just before we get on to the restarts, I, I completely agree with you, Tom. Like, uh, it's the point I was just about to make is the fact that when we allow them into the 22, I think part of the reason that our, our, our defence seems to... Well, our defence seems to go out the window and whenever they seem to get into 22, we just give away a penalty and that just gives them licence to play because they know they've got penalty coming so they can they can chuck the ball around it can try something and it, it 
like I remember there was a point when when Sam Underhill was was trying to jackal over the ball and he was he was trying to jackal over the ball and I know he's he's trying to fulfill that role but he went off his feet elbows on the ground referee told him to leave it he doesn't leave it penalties given like advantage he then gets off the ball but part of me is thinking all right Sam if if you're going to give away the penalty give away the penalty don't let them play. You know, don't, don't 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 give them this free shot. Just hold, hold on to the ball. On to it. Hold on to it. Yeah, yeah, and hold on to it. Let them blow up. You're right in front of the hold sticks. On, They're going to get points anyway. Don't don't let them chuck it about, mate. The the Will Stewart shoulder charge oh. nearly. I I was nearly I was nearly completely bald after that. I nearly ripped all the hair out of my scalp. I could not believe in the age where there is angles everywhere watching what you're doing to. To, to just you've got to back your your man particularly if he's a Lions number eight you've got to back your man to catch a kickoff and be able to recycle the ball don't worry about blocking a winger it, and then Zach Mercer oh. you know stepping Loads out of if that's okay. as, num- as a number eight like oh just oh God, yeah I mean, talk about talk about talk about letting talk about letting them back in when we've when we've when we've worked so hard for a try. That that that, that you know, it's just an absolute coach and fan killer. Yeah, so that's that Stuart one. That's how I think he wins the penalty at the scrum just before half time to make it twenty nine seventeen. And this is kind of we've already identified Charlie that this is the key moment of the game where the five minutes in and around half time where they scored fourteen points kind of ultimately swung it in their favour and to. Oh. We've, got two, we've got two weeks off I want two weeks of restarts I don't care if we do nothing elsewhere when we next play if we, get, if we saw our restarts next out so I'll be happy that is appalling that is appalling that and then the Mercer one you could hear you could hear the shouts leave it leave it leave it for Mercer he's got his foot in touch and he still catches it and yeah. they two tries directly from it almost immediately after it. Like we've seen our red zone, red zone defense is shocking and their red zone attack was really good. So don't let them in the red zone. And if you are, make oh. them work hard for it. Don't let it off a restart. And there's, there, was, there, was another, there was another one as well with, um, with, with Bassett coming through and tackling Falatau. And he goes through, tackles him straight off his feet over the ball, counter ruck. And all the guys stood in front of Falatau. <laughs> are just walking back behind him and so they're able to come straight through like a train and counter ruck. They get the penalty, bit of, bit of a dodgy call, but they get the penalty and that's three points straight off the bat and equalises the penalty that we'd had at, had at the other end. Um, and, and that stuff is just, that stuff that's is just, good. you know, schoolboy, basic, 17. whatever you want to call it. 17 points we, we, we talked about there because the Mercer foot in touch leads to Paolo Adogwu's uh, try, which is which is a well-worked, good strike move. Not that we saw any of those from Bath. Uh, and Dempsey, if you want to bring any of those to the table, it would be fantastic. But uh, yeah, that the, the that three-point penalty you've just talked about and um, uh, the the uh, Stuart shoulder charge, which then again, they kick it down to the corner and they score off it just for half-time. Yeah. Yeah, they turn it around. Sorry, but the restarts were, were, were horrible, weren't they? And I think like that was a huge factor in why we allowed Wasps to score. Yeah, I was, I was just going to ask you, to, to turn it round, do you think, do you think you know, from a more positive standpoint, we're three executed, well-executed restarts away from winning that game? 
Well, and a poor kick chase as well for uh, Tom Cruise's uh, first or second try when he's kind of doesn't get, yeah, when, when they make the break and he scores. But yeah, I, I think those basics were, um, yeah, really lacking. But I also think our tries kind of came from, from Wasp's errors as well at, at times. And I think whilst we actually did score 44 points on Friday night, I actually don't think one try can be accredited to to slick attack or or a well coached attack i think we had one from 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 good defense one from the restart one right at the end and then one kind of piece of really nice skill from cam red bar we never open them up like from from a set piece or from from a um not at all from, from a first phase or, or even from a ruck like with, with 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 good team attack and and even though we got 44 points i'm not accrediting going empty to any of them not at all, because it, it, it took until the well, it, it took until the eighty fifth minute for us to score our fourth try, and that was ultimately what left us uh, with, with some points in a very open game. And you're exactly yeah. right, Gabriel. I, I think actually that that first try, um, uh, the first try, the Priestlands try, um, it's it, it, yeah, it's, it's an excellent step from uh, De Glanville and Mercer makes a, a bit of a half break, offloads, and then it's it's Priestland. Uh, He's got to run the length of the pitch against um, against against the loser prop, but it partly comes from uh, uh, Jacob Umanga who dives up to try and get the interception, and it means that there's that there's no back and there's there's it's not a single back with any sort of pace you can cover that backfield, and that's what ends up kind of leading to try. It's poor decision from him. There's there's a yeah the loose pass that leads to uh, to uh, Faletal scooping up the ball and passing it to uh, mm-hmm. to Underhill, and it's yeah, it's it's extremely frustrating. Yeah. We didn't. The, the, I think I think Wasp scores kind of two tries off off kind of first phase ball, which which was kind of which it should be a sort of minimum uh, every game. But I just, again, I just I was kind of looking watching this match, thinking I've not even seen an attacking backs move kind of off first phase off first phase. It just seems that we we just Every, every line out uh, kind of it seems to just uh, we resort to a driving mall which to me doesn't really seem like a potent attacking weapon from 30 metres out uh, 40 metres out you must have, uh, Charlie you must have enjoyed that um, Cameron Redpath try as a kind of silky outside running number 12 yourself <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought of you, I've got to say. I think, you're, I, think, I think it's right, like, and I, I'm going to just back you up by um, stealing some more BT Sport stats, which I thought, I thought like, like some of the stats that they were able to churn out um, and, and they did prior to the game were really good. Um, and it's just around our, like, the, the shape and the structure of our attack that we've been talking about. Um, and they kind of, I uh, don't know if, if you guys saw it, but they kind of put a kind of league table up so where we are in the league for various um, kind of, you know, attacking pointers. Um, so we play off nine the most in the league out of anyone, 64%. Um, we have the second most, uh, for, uh, uh, second highest percentage of carries by forwards in the leagues at 63%. Um, and then if you look at the, the, the back side of things, we've got the, uh, in terms of average carries per game, we are 12th. Average meters made, we are 11th. Average clean breaks, 10th. And average defenders beaten, we are 10th. And that is with um, the, the obviously the, the guys that we've got in the back lines, completely star-studded with internationals, Watson, Joseph, um, uh, uh, you know, McConaughey, De Glanville, Redpath, all these, all these incredible guys. And they are just not getting used. 
Um, and it, it, I, I think this starts to kind of back up what Cameron Redpath was saying. It almost seems as if like the forwards are saying, "No, this is our ball. We'll, um, we, you know, we want to, we want to go on a, uh, you know, pick and pick and go fest, or we want to drive this this small forward, like you're saying, Charlie." Um, and we're just not unleashing um, any of any of these guys at all. They're just not getting the ball. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. And all those stats back up. Uh, I think what we've been saying about. Uh, we're not seeing any strike play off the backs, um, and this kind of the, 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 this this playbook is not being seen in Gerwin Dempsey. But you, know, you say there's there's a lack of trust between forwards and backs, and I saw Cam Redpath's comments and coming out and saying that. But but who does? Uh, Gabe, you don't want to like this, but does a bit of blame yeah. therefore fall with Ben Spencer? He's the one who decides oh, whether the backs get the ball or whether the forwards keep it. I mean, he, he's the one who, who, who bosses about his forward pack. I mean, I, like, uh, I, I don't believe this. Well, we'll have Chudley on, see how that goes, mate. Huh? We'll have Chudley on, see how that goes. See how he sparks our attack. I'm sure he really will. <laughs> Max Green. Max Green maybe the man. Oh, give me a break. Well, I, I think this is an interesting discussion about the, the kind of difference between the, the backs and the forwards. And I do think it kind of... <clears throat> do you think, guys, we're missing like a, a bit of a carrier in the centres. Does it feel sometimes that we kind of go, it's either grunt, 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 grunt with the forwards and then sideways, sideways, sideways to the backs. And there's no, there doesn't ever seem to be any kind of, when it does go to the backs, there doesn't ever seem to be, we always, we kind of only go to the backs when it's really on and, and kind of, they, they do feel a bit lateral at times. And I think Cam Redpath's kind of having a, a really good start to the season. I thought he was one of the positive lights on, on, on Friday night and has been throughout, as I say. But his partnership with Jonathan Joseph, I don't think it's working at all. I think, you know, some unofficial stats from, from the, um, from the uh, Twitter account Rugby Bath had Jonathan Joseph making zero metres on Friday night and I really don't think that that relationship's working whether that's just because they've not played enough rugby together or whether that's because we'd need someone like a I dread to say, like a Jamie Roberts who, who kind of does give us that go forward well, look I, I hear what you're saying I uh, just personally just going back I said I would have uh, dropped Joseph to the bench last weekend uh, because I don't think he's been having the impact uh, but no, you, you've 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 got you've you've got a point. I don't I don't think we're we. Uh, it's definitely not clicked in that midfield. And I I, I think I I kind of trying to think of the best time to bring this up in the podcast. So I might I might just bring it up now. Is that uh, I think one of our problems potentially trying to put my finger on something, which is more of a discussion point, is the fact that uh, there seems to be with Bath, more of a divide between who's first choice and who's second choice than almost any other club uh, in the league. Uh, and I feel like, it, you know, is, is that killing some of like the, the, motiv- like the motivation and competitiveness kind of to kick on these other players? Because it seems like no matter what, Joseph will start, Falatau will start, um, Watson will start, whatever it is. Uh, and, and, I, and I feel like that might be having a slightly negative impact. Whereas, Kind of when kind of rugby restart was 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 the kind of theme of the day, and we were playing two games a week. It relied so much on the squad. I think perhaps did, did we come and get we did we properly come together as a squad then? All these guys were getting involved. Whereas now it seems like we're playing our first choice team, and then when these internationals are gone, 
that's the only time your guys will get a chance. And I, yeah. I know we get the most out of these players, but but it, it feels like it's it's if they're available, they play. Yeah, because they're just not available very often. And so when they are available, like, do you, can you really blame the, the coaching staff for picking them? It's it's really difficult. I, I really think JJ's not not playing good rugby at, at all. I, I can't really remember him doing anything over the course of the whole season. But like, I really can't blame the. The, the coaches for for selecting these guys, Charlie, because like they 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 should be our best players, uh, and if it, it it obviously looks so good, but I can't, I don't think that it's going to all change if we kind of change the personnel. I don't know, it's difficult. And money and money plays. Like mm. let's not forget that. I mean, they need to justify their their wages to Hooper and to McDonald and Craig in turn. Um, I think. I think maybe being a little bit harsh on Joseph. I don't. He, he hasn't. He hasn't. He certainly hasn't had an, any impact at all. But he's been as quiet as I can ever remember him being. Um, but I think, like, I don't know. It m- might be me looking at it too simplistically. But I think we we always seem, like you say, it's either it's either bash it up the middle. Um, you just call it Rambo ball. Uh, I don't know if that if that if, if, if that's a bath call. But um, or or as you say, it's ship out to Reese Priestman and let's try and find like a gap or a bit of let's just go to the wing and see if we can go around the outside. But it always feels like when we get the ball on the backs, we're just so we're so static all the time. And I think I think there were times in the game against Wasps when it started it started to get going. Priestman started to taking taking the ball going forwards and giving it just as simple as that. But I think that. It's so often we are catching it static, shipping it on static, and then just expecting Joseph to try and like find like a little bit of a gap or find an outside shoulder and an offload. Um, and, and when Joseph plays so well, it's when, you know, like when George Ford was at fly half, sorry to keep kind of harkening back, but it's when guys are taking the ball to the line, giving different options and different lines, and he will, he'll take one of them, go through, and then it's, he, he's under the posts. So at the moment, so it just half, looks like... Sorry, Tom, but would a new five half massively help that then? Well, this is what I was trying to say, trying to say um, last week. I think uh, uh, it's, it's hard to know for sure. And it's, yeah. hard, it's hard to know who would make it. It's who would make But I, I just think that like, it, he's, the sor- he's the source of all our attacks. He's, he's our first receiver most of the time. And to me... He it is just really turgid and and really slow, and that really does not suit guys like Joseph and Watson. Who and, and I think that's one of the reasons they're being so quiet. Yeah, potentially. But then, then again, you you I mean you you say that money talks and stuff, but Gabe, you you got to think we've got more England players like kind of EPS squad players in in our bar squad than than any other team in the Premiership. So these guys are going to demand a premium salary. They, 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 and there's the, there is a salary cap. That's, that's, that's the nature of the premiership. So you've got to think, we've got all these players and we are paying all of these top quality players. You can't necessarily hold on to every single one uh, or, or you can't expect to get the best out of all of them if you're not going to be prepared to, to, pay, uh, to pay for a second 10 in your squad. We, we have one 10 in our senior squad. Like we, it, it feels like we completely, you know, you've, we, we, we put together this machine forgetting to put the bloody engine in. Like it's, it's like, you can't, you can't expect to drive it off like a 50 CC moped engine. 
Yeah, no, I, mean, I do think it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting point. I do, it almost feels a little bit like we've spoken so much about how we don't have a fly half and we need a fly half that we kind of almost got bored of talking about that. And we, we're expecting now that we, this team should be able to come to life if with, with the current fly half that we've got. And I do think we're all in agreement that, that we do need a huge upgrade at fly half. And, and we saw that, you know, for so long we spoke about needing an upgrade at both halfback positions and the impact Spencer had, particularly in the restart rugby, was so incredibly obvious to see on the pitch that I think with a new fly half, we would be so, uh, yeah, we would be so much better. And you're yeah. right that, that Joseph would be much better, but that, we're, not, that's not, we're not getting one until at, least, until at least the summer. So, so I think we need to try and find solutions for this issue. Um, kind of now wow <laughs> didn't see him at all the weekend I mean and again that's what wound me up a bit is like, I know we kind of spoke on, on on the previous podcast saying what will we change for next week and it was kind of much of the same a couple of changes here or there and we had one change in uh, Tom de Glanville coming in but part of me feels like you know what, what, what was it that you said Gabriel insanity is trying the same thing and expecting a different result um, it, 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 it felt like it felt like much of the same. And I feel like we're not really getting anything out of these games. At least if we can, at least if we'd lost these first five games and we'd brought Lando Bailey off the bench for 20 minutes, the end of each of them, at least we would have got something out of it. He's getting, getting some sort of experience. I, I know that's not the way we want to be thinking because, mm. but, but it, it, it does feel like, come on, Hooper, come on coaches. Let's, 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 let's change something up. Let's give some of these other guys yeah. a go. And I, that's kind of what's frustrating me more than anything is the fact that we're getting the same think, result. Yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think the other way of looking at it, like that insanity point, is you know, and 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 yeah, I, maybe this is this is this is too um, uh, kind of optimistic, but I think. The, the other way of the, you could approach it is, you know, this team is potentially close to clicking. And we need to stick with um, the the players that we've backed and that have um, you know took us into the top four last season, and we need to back these players to turn it around as good as they are and to and to start playing playing better rugby. Um, the, the concerning the other point I was going to raise to you guys is the, the concerning one of the concerning things to me is you look down that that squad that that fifteen um, twelve out of fifteen of them have got international honours. Um, it, you know it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's the, it's the um, you know, arguably the strongest team on paper that's that's playing in the Prem at the moment. And two of the three guys who haven't, so Tom de Glanville and Cam Redpath, are the standout performers, I thought, in that that Wasps game. They look mature. Yeah, right. Um de Glanville looked really, really calm. And Redpath is just an a, just an absolute class act. And I just don't know how that can be that you've got 12 guys with international experience um, who are basically being led um, from the front by these two young guys, um, you know, really in their first season yeah. of of top flight Premiership rugby. Yeah, right. I've I've, I've got a point to make here. Actually, I, well, I I I will give. Um, well, we should we should move on from this game soon. Yeah. Okay. Final point. I will I will give credit to my brother who kind of brought this to my attention. But I noticed, and I messaged you both at the weekend that uh, they've decided to add the the, the lion's crest to the jerseys. I I think I think, and I agree with what with, with what my brother uh, said. Get rid of all of these international flags, lions crests on the jerseys, because let's stop pandering after these international players. Because frankly, 
they are not performing well enough. And why should we be having kind of you having your special shirt made for you with a big with a big flag in the middle of your chest for everyone to see? Get rid of it. I don't, I don't really care what they've done for for the Lions, what they've done for England. All I care is what you are doing for Bath at that particular moment. And stop having it kind of brandished across the middle of If you want to keep it, stick it on the arm somewhere that you know only, only they can see. We don't really need to see. I just feel like there's a lot of pandering after these twelve international players that you've clearly highlighted in our international team, uh, in our in our starting team, uh, who aren't who aren't kind of putting their weight in, 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 in the nicest way possible. No, I don't. I think they are putting their weight, obviously. But I'm convinced, Charlie, that we've also had a conversation in the past where you've said that it's a really nice touch. And if we yeah, were playing, if we were playing like really it. well, I don't think it would be. I like it, but at the, at the moment, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And also, I, I don't think you need to be adding on, like, the Lions this way. So you're going to... It's a fair point. Gonna... It's frustrating me. Put it on the arm. Like, if you want to keep it, put it on the arm. And I would like you to keep it, so put it on the arm. <laughs> so you're gonna, are you going to... You're gonna you're gonna remove it for a few weeks until they start playing better, and then uh, and then and then yeah. give it back. Yeah, you, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not sure they. I'm not sure they'd appreciate being. I know they are adults. These guys, so I'm not sure they'd appreciate being uh, treated like that. But maybe yeah, it's yeah. a left field shout that Stuart Hooper, I'm sure he's listening, will consider. Get rid of the star above the the badge as well, Charlie, because you know it doesn't matter what what European cups we've won. You know the the kind of history of this doesn't actually matter in any way, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think after we opened the podcast saying that, you know, it was great to have rugby and just watching these boys on a Friday night was really good uh, in, in relatively optimistic spirits. Um, we've then gone on for, for probably half an hour to, to, to complain and uh, moan a little bit about how disappointing the rugby is from Bath at the moment. So, um, yeah, I guess another week of that. But maybe we, should, gee, maybe we should just do one one sentence each like one positive from the game because I in particular was very negative last week so I'm looking to looking to turn that around okay well why don't you, you kick us off then Tom one positive from from Friday night well, I'll start I think that's the the best game I've seen Toby Falatau play in a bath shirt since that that we've we've spoken about I thought he 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 um he had a really good game Charlie uh there's only one way to go, and that's Cam Redpath is just phenomenal talent, which we're building our entire team around him. And I hope that they sign him on for another 20 years, 30 years, however long he can play rugby for, keep him playing rugby. Yeah, he does look really good. And I think added to that, um, Tom DeGlanville, the other guy we've spoken about, kind of had a, a really good game. And um, yeah, outstanding under the high ball after Watson's disappointing performance the week before. But I think, I don't want to swing it negative again, but having Tom DeGlanville at fullback meant Anthony Watson had two carries for five metres. So yeah, you give with one hand and you take with the other at the moment in, um, in the back three for, for Bath. Okay, guys, um, let's move on to uh, a bit of news that's come out uh, over the last few days. And Tom, you mentioned Toby Falatau there, but the guy who is battling for that number eight shirt uh, at Fort Bath is Zach Mercer. And it's been widely reported this week that he's signed for Montpellier. So I think Daily Mail Sport had an article where it quoted the Montpellier owner to say that Zach has signed widely reported since then in the in um, Somerset Live and across a lot of other uh, outlets. So 
nothing confirmed by either club yet, but certainly doesn't look too promising for, for Zach Mercer staying once his contract runs out at the end of the summer. Charlie, this would be hugely disappointing for a guy who, who's been at the club since you know he was a young guy uh, to leave when he's just 23 would be would be very disappointing yeah i think that's one of the saddest parts about he gave us he's he's only 23 and like he's 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 been fortunate enough to get you know experience at quite a young age and he's developed into a phenomenal player uh, i i i have so much time for him on a rugby field he's he's a fantastic player and he's he's the sort of player who i would have I, I I would sign on for as long as possible and have him playing week in week out. And he, as I just said, I'd build a team around uh, around Cam Redpath. He would be one of the guys I would have been wanting to target and build a team around for several years now. And I think it's 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 kind of it's probably been the double edged sword of uh, well, there's many edges to the Talupa Balatel swords in the fact that he only plays about twice. Uh, Every year, but uh, he's. All, I know um, Mercer's. He's he's had. Once in a blue, moon. black, and black, white moon. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> not really. I'm not sure. But carry uh, on. Carry anyway, on. on. Uh, I mean, it's it, going to. The debate here is if if he does go, is it is it because of him not being picked as much as he would like for Bath or is it the fact he's, he's not even going to look in with England at the moment? And I, I think, I think that's, that's the question. I, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the question. And I, if, if it is true that he is hundred percent leaving, cause I mean, we've not heard it from the horse's mouth. Uh, if he is leaving, I, I think it's, it's a massive shame and it, and it feels like, yeah, it, it feels like he's, he's, yeah, he's probably going for for the money, which which you can't which you can't blame him for at all, especially given the year that we've had. I mean, with everyone taking pay cuts left, right, and centre, and but and that would probably go slightly hand in hand. The fact he's not getting an England an England uh, selection, but you're not going to get one unless you're in the country. And what a better place to be than Bath, where you know I hope he feels he's valued. But maybe that's maybe that's a question. Tom, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think along similar, similar lines, I think like from, from, well, I think the, f- the first thing I would say is I'll, I will be, I would be devastated if this, this is true. I really would. I think he is right at the top or one of the few players right at the top of the, the list of guys I would want to lose least, um, in this squad, Same. uh, you know, 23, like you say, um, he's nowhere near his prime yet. He how many times on this podcast have we sat here and said he was the only shining light or he was one of the few shining lights in what was a dismal performance? He's awesome. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, it looks like Bath kind of responded to what I was saying, um, completely coincidentally. And he's now been getting a go in the number eight shirt with Falatawa at six, which I'm pleased to see. But it, it sounds like it's, it's too little too late. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't blame him. Yeah, you know, rugby careers are uh, are short. Um, the salary cap in the Premiership is is going to be reducing. Uh, players have taken pay cuts, like you say, Charlie. So it may be that Montpellier made him an offer that Bath simply can't match. And we need to be careful because we don't know. We need to be careful not to pin this on the club because that that may be the case. And in which case, they could want to keep him as much as. As, as anything as we do and, and and they just couldn't do it um 
but it, it it just seems it just seems to me relatively short sighted. I think um, that not being the case that 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 we're that we're letting him go. Um, he, he's not really in the in the frame for England. I think he's aware of that. There's probably four or five number eights ahead of him, um, which I think is contributing to, to his to his decision. He's not been the first choice for for Bath, and Falatel's been playing, um, you know, uh, ahead of him whenever available. So I think it's, it's it's a really sad situation. I hope it's not true. I hope it's just some cowboy French owner running his mouth and actually. There's a kind of Jonathan Joseph-esque video released by Bath that, that says he's staying, but um, the signs aren't, aren't there. And um, yeah, I was in I was in pretty somber spirits last night when I saw that that article come out in the Daily Mail that you mentioned. Mm. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you guys have just said, Tom. Particularly around when we've come on the podcast and we've said that that it's been a really poor defeat, um, uh, but but Zach Mercer has been a shining light. That that's been the case on on multiple different occasions, particularly when we haven't got the internationals around. But I think just reading some of the comments on 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 social media and and suggesting that kind of this is an indictment on Hooper and an indictment on the club that we can't keep him and if we were winning more he would stay i i really don't i really understand what what that's saying because you're right tom if he was going to a, an english club say it, it would be a real bad indictment on on kind of the the coaching staff and and everything that was going on at the club and he didn't think that that we had any chance of winning anything but he's going to france because he realises that he's nowhere near the England side, and, and rightly so. He, he isn't playing at the level of some of the guys uh, in, in in the Premiership. He isn't. Uh, an I'm not sure that's fair. Well, sorry. Let me. It, I, well, personally, I think he he, he thinks he's quite far away from the from the England side, and so he thinks I'm 23. I can go to Montpellier to a probably get a lot more money and B, get a completely different experience, come back in say three, four years time to a Bath or a different English club. When he's developed his game, he may have got more physical and then he will have a chance of playing for England, at which point he'll be 26 or 27 years old and he'll be in a prime position to, to play for a few years for England. And I think that's the reason he's doing it. He's not doing it because the club has no ambition, the club isn't going anywhere and the coaches can't keep him, which seems to be the, the, the sentiment on, on, on social media. And I think the other, the other idea that we should kind of, I saw someone say, make him captain and do this. I think that personally, I don't think he's the best eight in the squad. I think Palatel is the better number eight than him. And I think that the idea that we should be kind of bent over the barrel by, by a 23-year-old to kind of do everything to keep him, you know, he's not bigger than the club at the end of the day. And if he makes this decision for whatever reason, and fair enough, if that is financial, as, as, as you highlighted, Charlie, then that's completely fair enough. Then, you know, as disappointing as it is, we've got to just kind of accept that he, he's made that decision and move on. Well, I think... Yeah, yeah. But, I, uh, go on, Tom. No, sorry, I was... I, I yeah I, I think the only part that his age comes into it is where is, is is how disappointing it is that we're losing a guy just before he's probably about to come into his prime and if he goes off to France he'll probably be in the prime of his career then and if he is fortunate enough to come back I mean I, I I hear what you're saying Gabriel that he is a little way off the English squad probably I mean I, I think I think Eddie Jones probably just he he sees um, Billy Vunipola and if Billy Vunipola's fit, he's playing. And I think that's that's what his plans are until the, until the next World Cup. So I don't think many people will get a look in in the England 8 jersey until the next World Cup. So if Zach is thinking, 
right, uh, I'm going to go off until 2023. I'll be in France. I mean, that's where the World Cup's taking place. Maybe he, he'll he'll get <laughs> seen a bit more while he's over there. I don't know. But what well, they're fishing nearby. Yeah, but anyway, he's he if he goes off until the next World Cup and comes back then and tries to break into England squads, then you know, so be it. Um, and I, I think I think if, if he does leave, I think it is mainly going to be financial, as Tom said. Perhaps look, uh, it's likely that if Moed Altrad has made him an offer, it's going to be a pretty handsome offer because the French clubs. It's, it, it, look, it's no it's no secret that these French uh, these French clubs can offer a much bigger salary than anywhere else. And going to be the England carrot is the only thing that is dangled in front of these players to, to keep them here, really. So if, yeah. and if, he, if he genuinely can look at it, like can can, can look at the broad, broader picture and think, look, I'm uh, realistically, I'm not, I'm not making it into the England squads until until past this next World Cup. I might as well go off and get my paycheck. I kind of hats off to him, but it is, yeah. it's. it's yeah. It's 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 hugely disappointing, but I don't think really that there's anyone to point the fingers at. It's just one of these situations that you know, if 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 you, me, or Tom was put in the same situation, we might chase off the money. Like, yeah. So, so, so Tom, do you so do you think Tom then that there's an indictment on kind of where the club is going? And and if we were winning, would he stay? Is that is that sentiment got any value to you? Because it certainly doesn't to me, and it doesn't sound like it does to Charlie. I I think the problem with this discussion is that there's we don't really have any information and um, it, it, it's it, it, you know the club clubs don't give information um, you know rightly or wrongly on on this kind of thing they don't give transparency in this area to fans we don't know if for example he's um, got an offer of say 300 grand a year from Montpellier turned around to Bath and said give me 300 they've said we can't afford that within the salary cap so he said I'm going um, or you know alternatively he's um, you know uh, uh, he, Stuart Hooper doesn't see him as part of kind of his long term plans isn't giving isn't him kind of valuing him in the way that he thinks that that, that he should be um, and he's, he's as a result we don't know you know what the order of what's happened, and we don't know anything about what's happened behind the scenes. And and that said, I think it's very difficult to to point the finger at either Zach Mercer, and I, I don't know why you'd do that anyway, or someone like Stuart Hooper. I think purely from a purely from a playing perspective, he's a massive loss, as we've said. But longer term, my concern is that how often has Toby Falatel played for Bath? I mean, like, Zach Mercer's got many more appearances than him, despite being kind of a second choice, second choice um, number eight and joining the club after Falatel. Falatel has only got one more year after this season on his contract. And what will we get in that time? Maybe 15 starts from him um, if the Lions goes ahead and if um, he, you know, he continues to start for Wales as he's done. Um, and then who's, who's the number eight? There's no one really to... Um, to, to step in we haven't really got another number eight in the squad that uh, at least that I can think of there's no um, young player who, who or younger player than Mercer coming through so I just worry that from a strategic point of view we are going to be left short and then when falatau has gone or injured next, uh, you know next season he's gone at the end of the, the season um, in 2022 we're going to look back and be like losing Zach Mercer was was a massive massive negative thing to happen to to the club even if the reasons um, and the motives of both parties may never be clear 
Yeah, I, I think that's 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 spot on, Tom. I, I think it, you know, long term it will be hugely kind of disappointing. But I think it must. Well, I can only imagine that it must be that that the dis, well, the way I view it is if if the decision was because he wasn't happy with how he was valued uh, at Bath, then he would look for a move within the Premiership. And I really don't think but that all the, the clubs are tight on cash, so that's, exactly. it's, that's not necessarily that doesn't necessarily follow. Yeah, I know, but but then okay, I think yeah, I, I think we're we're kind of all in agreement here, aren't we? That that it's hugely disappointing, but I think kind of I was just responding to the the sentiment on Twitter that that this is a huge indictment on 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 everything that's going on at the club, and, but, and if we were winning, and if you if we were if we were say you know currently winning, he would stay. The idea that kind of one win in six means that a, a guy would look to leave it is ridiculous and, and if it is the case that, that that's the reason yeah. for leaving then 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 frankly he's kind of running from the fight and uh, and at the end of the day it's that sort of guy that, that needs to be sticking around but I don't think that's the case at all Gee I mean put it put it this way if we'd had the run of form that Exeter had over the last three seasons he would be more minded to stay than he is currently but I don't think that is the main determining factor that that he's leaving yeah, that's probably um, right. That's probably right, Tom. And I, I think it's what, important to, to point out that that this is going to be at the end of of this upcoming season. So, I think looking at the the future, of the number eight position, there's Nayam Merrigan, who's kind of a 21 year old, who's in the England under 20 squad, who's clearly probably two or three years away from having an impact. And so it will become uh, kind of a saga for Bath, almost like the the, the, the fly half saga has as as kind of a position that, that we need to fill um, but that will obviously only be until the summer and so um, yeah certainly one to watch and, and as we said at the start nothing confirmed but I think generally it, it, you know it would be hugely disappointing to, to see him go Gee can I just can I just make one quick follow up point mm-hmm. um, so you, you know you spoke about um, you know it, it not being an indictment on Hooper and it not being an indictment on kind of the recruitment policy as a whole and I, I, I agree and I think him going to France um, is kind of adds, adds weight to that argument however if as is also rumoured we start to see other guys other young players who are coming up for contract renewal if we start to see them go to other clubs then I think justifiably more questions will start to be asked about our recruitment policy so Elliot Stook is one that's been been linked with Wasps um, uh, quite heavily. Beno Urbano, whose contract's up as well and who's been such a, um, a force over the last couple of seasons, he's been linked with, with Exeter. Um, so, you know, if we were to lose those two in addition, I think, um, you know, quite rightly, questions, questions would start to be asked about, you know, what we hear about this long-term vision. Why aren't we putting our money where our mouth is and actually investing in these these young like higher value players or more valuable players sorry yeah but yeah okay but that's all uh, you know I think the Mercer one kind of almost feels inevitable at this point but I've certainly read nothing that suggests that that, that Benno is, is is that close to leaving I know there was a, a report a while ago about Exeter but I kind of don't think there's anything set in stone there so I think yeah if that were to happen maybe but I think this this Mercer one, I think you can't kind of group them all together and and and, and kind of add that to the pressure that I think the the, the coaches and the recruitment are are under. And I think no, it's not yet, yeah. not at this stage. But if that comes, not yet, yeah, but 
Yeah. But, and I think it's important to note that, that, that if, this, if this were the case, and I kind of will move on from this in a minute, but if this were the case, then that would be a huge uh, reflection on Hooper in particular as a guy that that's main role is, is kind of fulfilling this vision of 50% homegrown. His main role isn't on the coaching field. His main role is in that recruitment area. It would really kind of reflect on him in particular. 50% homegrown by 2021, wasn't it? Mm. And, I, and I do think, Tom, that... that, that, that a couple of on the plane, I think. We've spoken, Tom, before about how the, the recruitment is going in the right way and, and Spencer and Redpath yeah. in particular uh, and McConaughey and lots of these guys show that the recruitment is going in the right way. So, so I think, yeah, a bad start to the season and a couple of bad results um, and a couple of rumours in the press kind of doesn't make a, a, a summer. So, yeah, one to watch. And, and maybe when we next record, guys, um, there will be some more news or some confirmed news on this. Just quickly then, Charlie, um, I recognise we've probably gone a little bit longer than we planned. Thank you for sticking with us if you are still listening. Um, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, Bath's, um, Bath's uh, well, the whole Champions Cup has been postponed for two weeks, and so Bath will not be hosting La Rochelle on. Uh, I think it was going to be on Sunday. Um, Charlie, kind of, how are you going to how are you going to fill your weekend with no rugby? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do, game. <laughs> no rugby, no Formula One. I'm definitely not turning on the football. So, uh, yeah, massively disappointing. Um, I mean. I'm kind of trying to keep my fingers crossed that it'll be uh, that they'll be able to replay some of these uh, kind of premiership fixtures that have that have um, uh, had to be kind of cancelled due to COVID. I mean, you, you think that maybe like Northampton against Leicester uh, this weekend could be could be rescheduled to one of these two weekends. I mean, or I mean, most of all, I'm just hoping that either they they bring forward all the fixtures by by a weekend because. It's my birthday next uh, next Saturday, the twenty third. So there better be some flipping rugby for me to watch. I was, I'm not going to be a happy bunny. On <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I guess the EPRC or EPCR, or whatever it's called, they're planning on playing these um, these two weekends of rugby at some point, and so that's going to add to the fixture congestion. So I don't know whether the Premiership will choose to bring forward a weekend kind of a whole block of fixtures and just do this that weekend kind of in this upcoming weekend and then another one on your birthday weekend Charlie so to allow the the um, European rugby's to kind of take the place of those initially scheduled weekends if that makes any sense Tom I don't know what the um, premiership well, um, um, unfortunately for all of us unfortunately for your birthday as well I, uh, as you were saying that I was just scrolling through Twitter and um, premiership rugby have announced that um, there'll be a two week break during that period. So there'll be no premiership rugby um, or European rugby to speak of. So it's dark times during um, January. I think, you know, if, if there was one thing, I I really enjoyed the rugby over the weekend, apart from the, apart from the bath game, really. And I think it was, um, you know, it was, it was nice to have some entertaining rugby on after what's probably been quite a tough week for a lot of people. Um, So yeah, pretty gutted that we're we're not going to see, um, we're not going to see Bath La Rochelle or Bath Scarlets um, or Bath London Irish, Charlie, as we were talking about beforehand. Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah. Tell me, there's some horse racing or something on Gabriel, please. Well, the NFL playoffs are on, but um, you probably don't want to watch that either. Um, yeah, probably why I'm looking a little bit tired today. Uh, yeah, that's going on, but yeah. That's, that's just, that's that's just your, normal, your normal Monday morning look, I think, to be honest. <laughs> 
and what a fitting way to end it um thank you very much for for joining me boys um yeah another disappointing weekend or well uh, another disappointing match for bath on friday night but uh yeah we don't know when we're next going to have a game or when we're next going to have a podcast i think um so just hit subscribe in your feeds uh, follow us across socials to keep up to date um and yeah we'll get some content out to you when when kind of we have a better idea when Bart's next game um will be thanks for listening thanks for getting in touch with all your thoughts across socials uh have a good week and or maybe a good couple of weeks and stick behind the boys through thick and thin